Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Welcome in, Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM, The Fan, live from the Lakeland University Studios, leader in online education for more than 25 years, lakeland.edu. Going to do a poll question today. I want you to vote on the poll question on Twitter, and I want you to call in and explain your vote. If you so could do that, that would be great. It's more entertaining with callers, in my mind, than without, and when it's me and Plucker, we always like talking to people, obviously. So we invite you in. I told Gary Ellerson uh, what the topic was going to be uh, before we did the show. Gary's like, oh, man, let's do that on Big Show tomorrow. I think we can do it on Big Show, too. A different audience for the statewide network versus uh, just in Milwaukee for Sparky's Midday Madness. So we're going to do that, uh, the question right now, and then we'll probably touch on it some uh, tomorrow on the Wendy's Big Show as well. So I'm going to tell you how this all started and why I have the question that I have. So I was listening to the Bart Winkler show earlier this morning, like I always do. And Ryan Horvath is on his show on Mondays at 9 o'clock. And Ryan Horvath, they were talking about tonight's game. And Horvath, I think, was saying he liked the Niners plus four. Not plus three and a half, but plus four specifically. Okay. So they're talking. And... Within the conversation between Ryan Horvat and Bart Winkler, Horvat makes a comment uh, along the lines of, "Hey, look, if Shanahan doesn't figure it out, you know, this year, because um, he thinks this is a big game for the Niners tonight, that's why he likes the Niners. But if if they don't figure it out, and pretty much, you know, he didn't say be a playoff team, but he's decided if they don't figure it out, Kyle Shanahan could be on the hot seat." 
And so then I started thinking about what he was saying. And while I don't agree that he'll be on the hot seat necessarily because they love Kyle Shanahan out in San Francisco. So even though I don't necessarily agree with that, it got me to thinking about when we start talking about Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and LaFleur being, I don't know, age-wise. I haven't checked age-wise. Plucker might know. I think LaFleur is the youngest of the three, right? Between McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur, I think LaFleur is the youngest. I think. And you think of how they were all together on coaching staffs and how Shanahan kind of is the one that kind of groomed, I think, McVay and LaFleur to a certain degree as far as their philosophies and how they do things and so forth. So... Now to look at what they've all three of them have done. Sean McVay, obviously, took Jared Goff, who, uh, by the way, uh, is horrible uh, without Sean McVay, clearly. Um, but Jared Goff, and they went to the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. That's a hell of an accomplishment. I don't care who you are. That That's a pat on the back. Good job, Sean McVay. Way to go to be able to get that done. Kyle Shanahan uh, has had Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. And has been trying to figure out how to get it done with Jimmy Garoppolo and how uh, to win a Super Bowl with Jimmy G at the end of the day. Packers have the best quarterback of the three. They have a Hall of Fame quarterback. So while at first glance you look at what Rodgers is doing with LaFleur and you go, well, yeah, LaFleur's got the best quarterback. So of course LaFleur is going to look better than Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day. Maybe, but I think the L.A. Rams, they do business much differently than the other two. The L.A. Rams try to buy teams, not draft teams, buy teams. So from that perspective, if you look at the star power, not necessarily meaning they're going to live up to their star power, but if you look at the star power that's on that Rams team compared to the star power on the other two, it's not even close. I mean, based on the name brand, as Leroy Butler would like to say, they should be, you know, the best team, them and Tampa Bay at the end of the day. Packers don't have name brands. Packers essentially draft and develop, and that's how they get them. Now, in this rare instance where Goody takes over and you sign four free agents all at once, and Zadarius, Preston Smith, uh, and then Amos and Billy Turner – all four of those guys, I think, have played up to or beyond expectations of what they were when they signed them. And again, I think credit goes to that coaching staff for sure. You look at the injuries that the Packers have faced this year with LaFleur. Niners have faced similar injury concerns, obviously. The Rams I don't feel like they're as hurt as much as the other two teams without looking at their injury report. So the question is this, who is the better coach? How would you rank the top three coaches in order. LaFleur, McVay, Shanahan. How do you put them in order? Who's the best? Who's second best? Who's third in line? If you were to rank those three coaches together, you can vote on it uh, at uh, 12.50 a.m. The Fan uh, as well on Twitter or dial it up the old school way. That's the way I prefer having conversations on the radio. It is a talk show. 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Uh, and I, I'm anxious to see where everybody puts LaFleur in this conversation, considering, again, McVay has been to a Super Bowl. 
Kurt and Wauwatosa, you're first up on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's going on, Kurt? It's a court, buddy. What's going on, Spark? They always put it up. Oh, they do put up as court, except not C-O-U-R-T, C-O-R-T. So that's my fault. My eyes suck. Go ahead, court. It's all good, buddy. Uh, interesting. Being a homer, I would say, LaFleur. Who has the best record in the first two years of um, and the first two, first three years of LaFleur compared to their first three years or the first three years of each's career as head coach where they are now? The latter. Uh, the first three years of Kyle Shanahan. Uh, okay, hold on one second here. Let me just look. Um, and that's a good question. But again, the problem with this is, in my opinion, is that one has a Hall of Fame quarterback and the others do not. So that, that I think plays into it. Uh, as well. Well, you could have a Hall of Fame quarterback and still suck a coach. That's awfully I mean, difficult to do, though, don't you think? Well, it'd be awfully it, difficult to suck with Tom Brady. It, it would be, but I mean, come on. All right, let's with, see here. Yeah, let's, let's see because that's that's what I'm, I'm basing it. Kyle on. Shanahan, first three years, uh, San Francisco. He was 38. They were six and ten, four and twelve, thirteen and three. Then we'll take it further, 6-10 and ten and 3-5. and five. He's had one winning seasons of the five seasons so far. This is his fifth year as head coach of San Francisco. One winning season, that is all. Sean McVay, if we look at his track record in St. Louis, or with the Rams, still call him St. Louis, uh, L.A., 11-5, and 13-3, 9-7, 10-6, and then 7-2 and two this year. Uh, NFC Championship game, the farthest he has gotten was in 2018, uh, and Kyle Shanahan in 2019, uh, NFC Championship game. Florida only has 10 losses in his first two years, correct? Uh, he, uh, well, he had six in his first two years, and then he's got, what, two this year, so that's eight. I don't count the playoffs. We're only counting regular season. Okay. So, based on that, Yes, we have a Hall of Fame quarterback. But with the injuries and everything, I'm going to go LaFleur number one, McVay, because he has a Super Bowl appearance, and then we'll go Shanahan. Even though Shanahan dominated us, that's not part of the conversation. But LaFleur came into Green Bay, dealt with drama, after drama, after drama. And still, he's kept his head on straight. And I think LaFleur, out of the three, uh, with the record, has the best uh, chance of being the best coach out of the three, my friend. All right, so you got – so number one for you is LaFleur. Then who's two and who's three, Court? Uh, McVeigh or Shanahan and then McVeigh. McVeigh and then Shanahan. Got you. McVeigh and then Shanahan. All right. Yeah, because McVeigh went to a Super Bowl. In 2018, right, and they lost to the Patriots. They did, which was disappointing to them, but even still. Um, LaFleur is going to be a better coach in the end, too, with Rodgers. Well, it's going to be ba- he's going to be based on Jordan Love, I think. Thanks for the call, Court. I, I really do. I, maybe I'll be wrong. But I really think LaFleur's legacy 
is going to be based on Jordan Love or another quarterback that he ends up having success with that maybe not that Hall of Fame quarterback. And you could say, well, that's completely unfair. And it probably is because you could see Belichick without Tom Brady isn't going to Super Bowls uh, and hasn't gone back. Now, again, he's got a rookie quarterback this year. Maybe eventually he'll get back to Super Bowl with Mac Jones as his quarterback. We'll have to wait and see. But that's kind of what it is. Because with McCarthy, it was, well, yeah, I mean, you had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Of course you're going to win. That doesn't mean you're good. You should have been to more Super Bowls than you were. That's the knock on McCarthy. So now he's in Dallas with the Cowboys. He's got a Pro Bowl quarterback. Maybe Dak will be a Hall of Famer at some point. Who knows? And a lethal offense. He's got a Pro Bowler at running back. He's got two real Pro Bowlers or have been in Pro Bowls, C.D. Lab and Amari Cooper uh, at wide receivers. He's got a stacked offense again. Uh, and again, it's going to be the same type of deal. But mark my words, if they go to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl in Dallas, that will be more lauded than what he did in in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. I really believe that. I think he'll be given more credit for winning a Super Bowl with the Cowboys with Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Ezekiel Elliott than he will for what he did with Rodgers and the Packers. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's how it plays out. How would you stack these three coaches right now as they sit? The three guys that are always connected to each other, Shanahan, McVay, and LaFleur. How would you stack those three together? 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Tweet us at 1250 AM. The fan. Roger in Hey, you're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's up? Yeah, I, I think uh, the yeah for me it's a pretty easy question to answer. I'm just going, who said uh, you know, you, you are what you you are what your record says you are, I think um for sales, by sales. But I'm going on that, but also um, kind of off of what you have been saying, you know, as I give as much credit to LaFleur for making Rodgers Rodgers with his system. I mean, look at the previous seasons. So although Rodgers, when, when people say MVP quarterback, well, he's not an MVP quarterback this year, yet look at their record. So I'm going to give a lot of credit to Rodgers' performance to LaFleur. By the way, LaFleur, he's the oldest of the three. He's 42, Shanahan's 41, and I believe McVay is 35, which... Shanahan is 42, McVay is 35. Five. Right, yeah. Yeah, so for whatever that's worth... But yeah, I, I, the other thing, so I give a lot of the credit to Roger's success, and of course, because of LaFleur's offense. And the other thing, although this may be a reach, um, I'm assuming LaFleur had a lot to say on the Joe Barry pick. Yes. And I just thought it was a reach. I, I mean, you look at, you look at that guy's resume. But I got to give him credit. He saw something there that Barry wasn't able to manifest or put into place in other places, and he thought he could hear. So Joe Barry is another notch on the floor's belt. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Thanks for the call. And again, you would assume he got saying who he wanted to hire. You would think. He inherited Mike Pettin when he got there 
uh, as his defensive coordinator. And, you know, they highly suggested maybe uh, that they get, that he gives Mike Pettin a chance. Kind of like uh, Craig Council was highly suggested to David Stearns as manager to give him a chance after Doug Melvin uh, put him into place. Same type of deal. Uh, so in both situations, both GMs uh, or both people that were asked to have faith did have faith. Uh, it panned out for David Stearns because Council has been amazing, uh, even though they don't have a championship. Still been very, very good as manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, and they gave Mike Pettin a legitimate chance. He, had a t- he was a top nine defense last year when they decided to move on from Mike Pettin. And part of that was what happened in that game against Tampa Bay probably is what got Pettin released from his gig. But there is no doubt and no debating this Joe Barry defense is by far better than anything Mike Pettin was able to put on the field during that time. Now, did he have a linebacker like Devondre Campbell? No, he did not. The rest of them, he did have. Kenny Clark, for whatever reason, did not play like this for Mike Pettin. Mm-mm. Lancaster had spurts, but I think he's playing really well right now. And Rashawn Gary continues to get better every year. So maybe he gets better this year from last year because he did have Penn in the first couple of years. So maybe this is a natural progression with Rashawn Gary where, you know, Penn and his staff deserve as much credit as Joe Barry and his staff do, and that very well may be. Uh, but the Kenny Clark thing, he's playing at a completely different level than at any time under Mike Penton. Put him in order. How do you rank him? LaFleur, McVay, and Shanahan. 414-799-1250. You can also tweet us at 1250 AM. The fan get involved in the poll question as well. Sherman and Wamatosa, you're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's up, Sherman? Hey, hey, Spark. How you doing, man? Doing good. Oh, okay. Being the homer that I am, I'm going to say LaFleur, but here's why. Uh, I'm going to say LaFleur, McVeigh, and then Shanahan. And, and, and the reason I put LaFleur first, because the year – the two or three years prior to the floor taking over, Rodgers wasn't playing and the team was not playing like they were the first year LaFleur got there. Now, I don't know if that was just having a different uh, voice to listen to or whatever, okay? Rodgers finally bit in uh, midway through the first season, and they ended up 13-3, and okay? Now, with Shanahan, prior to him or prior to – 2018 or 19, whenever they beat the Packers in the NFC Championship game, San Francisco had been bad for four or five years prior to that. The parity, the way the NFL is set up, he, this dude had four uh, top five uh, draft choices on his defensive line when they beat us in that championship game. He had better, quote-unquote, players, or higher drafted players to mold than what LaFleur and – McVay had, you know, and people can say, well, uh, LaFleur had Rodgers, but the Packers have been drafting 27th, 28th, or whatever in the first round for the last 30 years. So to me, I give LaFleur and McCarthy prior to that more credit for their coaching job because they were not playing with quote-unquote stud talent, if that, that makes sense. No, that makes sense. So what's your order again? I'm going to go LaFleur. McVeigh, Shanahan. The reason I put McVeigh before Shanahan, Shanahan, that's Mike's son. He's been around football his whole life. And I really feel like 
I like his system, but he hasn't maximized it as much as I feel he should have with his pedigree. I think that's fair. I, I, no question. Thanks for the call. No question that's fair to say for him. The problem is he's only had one, one winning season. That's it. As head coach of San Francisco, he's had one winning season. And I, I think that is something uh, to be talked about as well. When Horvath said earlier today on Bart Show, uh, again, Ryan Horvath, bat, bat MGM tonight, catching weeknights, him and Quentin Mayo and uh, Trista Kick. Uh, they were a great job They're giving you all the updated odds and lines while the games are going on. Quentin Mayo was crazy, crazy good, just very emotional and funny. Um, big Washington DC guy or whatever, always tweeting about the Washington Wizards on his Twitter account. But very funny. Uh, and Trista Kick, I don't know. Are you down, Trista Kick? Are you are you feeling the the Trista Kick thing? I I I, I get down with Horvat. I get down with Quentin Mayo. I don't know if I'm if I'm getting Trista Kick yet. I think I gotta watch more. To yeah, kind of get I think a feel I for it. Watch a little bit more too. I've got I a feel a bit more. Like Quinton Mayo, I her. could probably do an impersonation of him. Horvat, I definitely could. But she, I don't know. She's a little bit more difficult, I think, for me to read uh, at the end of the day to this point. I'm sure she gets more comfortable. She's just been on there for what, three, four weeks? Yeah, something a couple like weeks, that. Not too long. Relatively new to that show. So there's three of them. But still, either way, a fun show. Ben MGM tonight. But Ryan Horvat earlier saying that maybe Shanahan's on the hot seat. He's the first one I've heard say it. I've heard nobody in the national media, talk about Kyle Shanahan being on the hot seat. Problem is, if you look at his records in San Francisco, he ought to be on the hot seat. Like, Horvath's 100% correct. Like Before you look at those numbers, I say Kyle Shanahan, a majority of you listening to the show right now are probably going, oh yeah, he's really good. A really good coach. Mm, mm. Maybe not as good as we all thought. Welcome in. Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The Fan of Green and Gold Monday. See Sparky Fiber with you. Dan Plucker, other side of the glass. Plucker, did you see this stuff from Pete Carroll on 710 ESPN Radio uh, in Seattle complaining about the officiating in the game against the Green Bay Packers? I did not. Not awarding Daryl Taylor the fumble recovery. Complaining about Kevin King losing the ball at the end of the interception in the end zone. The Russell Wilson scramble on the spot on uh, the first uh, third down play, saying he's got some gripes about the officiating uh, in that game against the uh, Green Bay Packers. And I guess I'm really not all that surprised that Pete Carroll uh, has complaints one way or the other. Again, this is from 710 ESPN uh, Seattle. We lost advantages that we could have had. When we throw the ball, Wilson throws the interception. The Packers going back Kevin King in the end zone. I see the ball on the ground, and the guy's got to finish the catch, Carroll said. Uh, then I uh, was asked, I don't know why that was looked at in that manner, Carroll said, but that's points off the board. Uh, that interception was the only questionable call that went Green, Bay way, Green Bay's way, however. Uh, then uh, was the Daryl Taylor uh what appeared to be a fumble uh, recovery. Carroll challenged that call and lost. Had Seattle won the challenge, the Seahawks would have taken the ball around midfield with roughly four minutes left in the first half, down by just three points. Uh, Carroll said they didn't both have the equal opportunity on the ball. Daryl was laying on top of the football, and the quarterback was reaching underneath them. Daryl had it from the moment that ball's on the ground. He got his chest on the ball and was laying on it. He's laying on the ground. The guy reached underneath him, and they gave it to the offense. That's a big play. That's such a big play in the game. Hold on. He's still not done. 
Uh, on the Seahawks' first drive of the game, Wilson scrambled on third and eight for what it was initially called a first down. But then after an injury timeout, the officials moved the chains back, deemed it fourth and short, and the Seahawks punted. So what happened? Carroll says, quote, the very first chance when Russ scrambles to the first down, and there's a fella hurt on the play, time passes, and we've got the first down. We're in the huddle, we break the huddle, we're at the line of scrimmage, we're ready to go. They stopped the game and reversed that play. They had minutes and minutes and minutes, Carroll said. Did they open up the span of time to look at it? I don't know. I don't know how that happened. So I've got some gripes about this. We still had the opportunities. You stacked them up. We had plenty of chances, and we just didn't take advantage of it. Later in the interview, Carroll revisited the sequence, saying that his offense was on the field prepared for a first and 10 when all of a sudden the chains were moved backwards as the referee explained what happened. As Carroll received his explanation, the game clock had already started counting down. Quote, so I don't even know what the distance is on the play. I'm looking around and going, it's fourth down? Heck, we've got to kick the football and kick them deep, Carroll said. I don't have a chance to even figure that out enough time to go ahead and decide to go for it. My mentality, I'm thinking, it's the weather, it's all this, it will keep them backed up. That's why that happened like that. Had we had a normal sequencing in the normal spot and all the information to come in in normal fashion, I don't have to tell you what I would have done, but it would have been different because that was a very unique situation. Carroll said, we were good enough to go get this game done. We needed all those situations to just be balanced out, and then we might have had our opportunity. We needed that interception to not be an interception. We needed that fumble to be our ball. We needed to not get that holding call on the third down when D. Lou got run over. That took us out of field goal range. And, of course, he's talking about Damian Lewis, uh, uh, who, uh, again, not that good. Not that good at all. Actually, he's horrible. Uh, he was horrible that whole game. That I believe that's the left guard uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, and horrible. Does Pete Carroll have a point? Did the referee screw the Seattle Seahawks? Did the Packers get all the calls in this game? Is that why the Packers won? I'll be honest with you. Not at any point in four hours of doing the Wendy's Big Show. In any break or on the air, did a single person, Gary Leroy, myself, or any caller or person on Twitter say, man, we got lucky, man. We got the breaks in that game. Plucker, you were at the game at Lambeau Field in the press box. Was there any talk amongst all of you in the press box that the Packers were getting breaks and getting lucky calls from the refs? Well, luckily enough, I was sitting right next to a lot of the Seahawks uh, people. So it was was me and then... uh, uh, Marcus Eversall from our affiliate in Green Bay, and then Hunter Baumgart was there as well, and then somebody from the affiliate in Lacrosse too, that whose name I can't remember okay. at the time. But it was the four of us, and then all Seattle people. Like literally, they put the entire section of Seattle writers, TV, radio right people, all right next. So to you us. got to hear them. So all. yeah, so I was listening to them all game long, and uh, the fumble from Rogers where he recovered it, they were all up in arms about that. But but I was sitting there. And, you know, me and not as a Packer fan, I, I was like, well, Rodgers grabbed it essentially at the exact same time as that defender. I don't know what the rule is in that situation, but, like, doesn't Ty usually go to the runner? So Ty goes to the guy who has possession of the ball um, uh, with, for the team that has possession of the ball. So that was kind of my thoughts on that. I didn't think it was crazy. The, the fourth down thing was very strange, though. The Russell Wilson run, and then they called it a first down, and then all of a sudden the play clock is winding down, and they say it's a third down or a fourth down instead. Right. And and from Made that no standpoint, like 
Pete Carroll, yeah, that that one made sense as well. But the the interception was interesting because it didn't seem like they looked at it for very long. The because Kevin King, you know, for as as many of the the process of the catch stuff that goes on in the league. For it not to apply to a defensive player in that situation, it right. appeared, was a little bit puzzling to me. But like upon looking at it a couple of different times, it did look like he made somewhat of a football move before the ball fell out of his hands. So that one made a little bit of sense. So two out of the three, I would say, go the Packers' way compared to the Seahawks. But one of them for sure should have the other one maybe a little bit more. See, it's, it's, interesting. it's, it's fun to me because... Most of the time, Packer fans complain that they got screwed by the referees, right? And this story goes out, and you see a bunch of Packer fans in the comments tweeting, shut up, fail Mary, right? We got screwed on that stupid uh, Hail Mary or whatever the case may be call. And those were replacement refs. Those weren't even the real refs. But, I mean, yes, the Packers have been screwed in the past uh, going against the Seattle Seahawks. But I guess I really never thought of the fact that, man, they are catching break after break in this game. I'm watching and I'm going, Rodgers ain't playing all that well. It's kind of being pedestrian. Oh, my God. Look at A.J. Dillon. That dude's a beast. Oh, Rajul Douglas is playing well again. Look at Clark and Slayton. That was kind of my reactions throughout the game last night. Never at any point did I thought they were catching break after break after break. But as Pete Carroll breaks it down and then you hear Plucker say his side of things, they got a point. Maybe the Packers did catch some breaks along the way. I don't think that necessarily changes the outcome of the game, but it's probably not a shutout. Right. I mean, the Packers' defense was ridiculously good last night. Maybe it's not a shutout. Maybe they score once, but they still win that game. I still don't think Seattle's offense was enough. Now, again, we talk about teams being hurt. They've been hurt, too. They've been without their starting running back, Chris Carson, for a while. Now, I think, uh, you know, as they get Carson back uh, and they start playing here in the next couple of weeks, I think that offense will get better uh, once Carson gets into a rhythm here in the next couple of weeks. So there's definitely that uh, to be considered. But th- that Seahawks team is not that of the Seahawks teams of years past. They're just not. Uh, and I I don't know how long Pete Carroll is going to coach that team, but he's not getting any younger by any stretch of the imagination. Russell Wilson was complaining the offseason he didn't want to be there. If they go through a rebuild, if they trade Russell Wilson, uh, then Pete Carroll is out. Uh, and then John Schneider is going to have to find a new head coach, and then that whole thing starts over again, and who knows how long. So, I mean, they're kind of in a situation when we talked with Curtis Crabtree last week from KJR in Seattle, and I brought up rebuild, reload, whatever you're calling this, and he's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're, they're going for it now. They're, they're trying to win right now. I don't know. I look at that roster, and I don't see trying to win right now. I look at that roster and go, it's okay. I mean, it's 8-8. Eight and eight. Nine wins somewhere in that area. That to me, that doesn't look like a roster that's going to win a ton of games necessarily uh, at the end of the day. All right, get your votes in. Let's hear from you. Seven nine nine twelve fifty. Take your votes as well at twelve fifty a.m. The fan. McVeigh been to a Super Bowl. Shanahan been to a Super Bowl. Both of them lost as head coaches. And then Matt Lafleur, uh, who has not been to a single Super Bowl as of yet, but. Uh, has been to two consecutive NFC Conference Championship games. How do you rank them? Is LaFleur the runaway winner here of those three in your mind? Then who's second and who's third? Again, Shanahan, one winning record in his career as head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. Sparky's Midday Madness on 12.50 a.m. The fans, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Dan Plucker, executive producer, other side of the glass. You know what I did over the weekend? 
I hung out with Rami Makhlouf socially in what a did you do? social setting. In a social setting, Dan Plucker, I was out on the town with Rami Makhlouf who drank water while we were out on the town. Big, bad Rami Makhlouf. Oh, you married guys. Oh, you guys with kids. Ah, ah, ah. Ah, mm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Went and drank water. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we went out to a, a bar, and we were checking out a new comedy club uh, that is coming, and Rami was checking out the the stuff and everything else going on with this new comedy club that's about ready to launch, so we were all hanging out together, and uh, he was drinking water because he got... I'm pretty sure hammered the night before. So that's why he was still hung over at like 530 in the afternoon on Saturday. Uh, but that's, that's okay. What was the last time you were hung over, Plucker? I couldn't tell you the last time I was hung over. It's probably uh, been like five, six years before Jackson. I like, haven't been hung over since we've had Jackson. Majorly hung over? Just hung like over a, where at 530 in the afternoon, you are still thinking alcohol is the grossest thing in the world. Uh, right before I graduated college. Because that's where Rami was on Saturday. Yeah, still didn't want to look at alcohol at, at 530 on Saturday. That's right before I graduated college. Huh. We did. I did one more like bender with my with my buddies, and we we had a good time. On the way out of college? Yeah. It was like a week before. It was the week before finals. I wonder. So. I I think everybody is different when it comes to that, right? So some people party into their fifties and sixties, I guess, and still get like that hammered. And I think other people have a life moment where it's like, yeah, I'm just not into doing that anymore for whatever the reason. Could be kids. I think that's pretty much what mine was. Family, whatever. You just you just don't do it. It's like not worth it. So if I if you go out and you get hammered or something. And you're that hung over the next day, you do not want to deal with kids the next day, I promise you. Like, that is the last thing, especially when you have young kids. You definitely don't want to deal with it uh, at that point. Uh, Matt tweets in about the Seattle situation. I mean, uh, a questionable interception for Green Bay and a questionable fumble recovery were big plays. But Seattle has that happen all the time so they can cry some more. Uh, That's Matt. It doesn't appear that Packer fans are all that uh, wanting to feel sorry uh, for Seattle fans. Matt LaFleur uh, talking uh, right now to the media. Uh, Rob Domofsky saying Matt LaFleur's uh, talking about Aaron Jones' knee injury, uh, about dodging a bullet there with him only being out a week or two. He said, quote, yeah, I'd say so. I don't think it's going to be long-term. We'll monitor it on a daily basis and see how fast he can heal up because he's a guy that you want on the field. Well, that's quite obvious. The other thing about all of this uh, as well about Aaron Jones uh, is you don't want to have A.J. Dillon carry the ball 30 times in a game, right? I mean, I know it's Minnesota, uh, but then it's the Rams. Rams are going to be physical up front. You're going to have to deal with that. You're, you're going to need somebody else to carry that ball. And if that, that guy is going to be Patrick Taylor at the end of the day, who uh, is a guy that Leroy liked in the offseason uh, during training camp and so forth, if he's going to be that other guy, so be it. But you just don't want to continue to pound the ball with A.J. Dillon. I want to do another poll question. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow, Plucker. Uh, A.J. Dillon or Braylon Allen? Who you want? A.J. Dillon or Braylon Allen? Who you want? I was watching A.J. Dillon play after watching Braylon Allen play on Saturday. Both big physical running backs, right? Both huge in the leg area. I think Braylon Allen is squatting like 600 pounds or whatever else, clean lifting 400 or something stupid like that. Just a big dude. Now, he's a freshman. 
A.J. Dillon played four years or three years, whatever it was, at Boston College. Plus, he's had a couple years in the pros. Also a big dude. Me and Gary were talking about this off the air, and he didn't want to have the conversation with me. Braylon Allen might be be like the best running back that comes out of Wisconsin before this is all said and done. He might be the guy that has the best pro career before this is all said and done. And that's, having said that, with Jonathan Taylor right now, maybe being the best running back in football with Derrick Henry sideline. He might be the best running back in football as we sit today uh, running the football for the Indianapolis Colts. He's just been an absolute monster for the Colts uh, this season compared to a lot of these other guys who, for whatever reason, like McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey comes back for the Panthers and puts up Christian McCaffrey numbers, right? Catches Catches numerous balls for a decent amount of yards, runs for a decent amount of yards, looks like Christian McCaffrey. Now they get Cam Newton back. Uh, so that'll help him with the quarterback situation in Carolina. But when you start looking at at running backs and how good some of these guys are, Braylon Allen is going to be, again, got to stay healthy. Braylon Allen's got every opportunity to be a first-round pick. And A.J. Dillon was a second-round pick. And then you take Braylon Allen and you stack him up next to A.J. Dillon and go, okay, can he catch the ball out of the backfield? Don't really know that yet, right? I mean, kind of seen it a little bit, but really don't know that necessarily you knew or you thought you knew that maybe A.J. Dillon wasn't that guy coming out of Bosnian College because they never did it. And now you watch the Packers with A.J. Dillon, you go, hey, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's good. Like, no concerns there. I love Braylon Allen. I just absolutely love him. And then they were making the comparisons to Derrick Henry uh, during that Badger game. Do you see Derrick Henry in Braylon Allen, Plucker? Uh, I haven't seen enough of Braylon Allen to compare him to the best running back in the NFL right now. I think he's quicker than Henry. I mean, his ability to run and move directly left or directly right on a drop of a dime for a guy his size, and then the ability when he gets through the hole to accelerate and and really kind of take off a little bit is a huge deal for a guy, again, that's a freshman uh, in college at this point, who, while we all put a lot of expectations uh, onto the shoulders of um, Graham Mertz. There's even more expectations on Braylon Allen right now for what he's doing. I mean, he's got, what, seven straight 100-yard games, I want to say, uh, so far this year. And when you talk about Badger history and running backs, that's saying a lot if you start matching or putting up records that we haven't seen. Here it is. Braylon Allen has his sixth one consecutive 100-yard rushing game, the longest such streak at UW since Jonathan Taylor opened the 18th, 18th season with seven straight 100-yard games. So he'll match that uh, with over a 100-yard-plus game against Nebraska coming up this weekend if he's able to do it. Uh, and there's no reason to think he won't be able to do it. The other thing that we've quickly realized, too, about – uh, Braylon Allen and this Badgers team is they're not only run blocking better, they're pass blocking better. And Graham Mertz having more time uh, to throw the football in that po- pocket. Now, you could say, well, maybe they're not playing as as good of a competition. Northwestern, definitely uh, not the Northwestern of years past, uh, years past with uh, Pat Fitzgerald uh, as the head coach. But even having said that, Graham Mertz isn't throwing the ball a ton. You could pretty much run the football two of every three plays and get first downs. There's no pressure. At the beginning of the year, for whatever the reason, I felt like there was some pressure on Graham Mertz to 
throw the ball uh, at a higher rate than maybe what they should have been asking to throw it at. You had Berger, you had Malusi, you had Braylon Allen. Maybe you didn't know what you had in Braylon Allen, but you had three running backs, and they still chose to kind of want him to throw the ball more. Since they've kind of taken some of that pressure off of him, you can see Graham Mertz grow in confidence. Like, okay, this isn't going to be all about me. This offense isn't all about me. This offense now really is about running the football and Braylon Allen. He's the star of the offense. All Graham Mertz now has to do is be a complimentary piece to what this offense is. You know, get the ball to Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis in positions where they can make catches and move the chains. That's it. Nobody's asking you to throw for 350 or 400 yards. Just be consistent and try not to turn the ball over. He had one bad throw in that last Badger game uh, in the end zone, almost similar to what Rodgers had, to be honest with you. Um, Outside of that, he played consistent, and he played fairly well. Pretty proud of of Graham Merchant where he's come. Proud of that Badger team as well as they have a chance now uh, to be in the Big Ten title game with a couple more wins. Coming up next, a guy I was talking about uh, earlier in the segment. Uh, He is Rami Makhlouf of the Rami Show, who comes up here at 3 o'clock. He's next here on Sparky's Midday Madness. Welcome back, Sparky's Midday Madness on 1250 AM. The fan, no matter your favorite sport, the place to be for great food, fun, and playing your own favorite indoor games is Q Club of Wisconsin. Plenty of TVs to watch the games on while you play your favorite indoor games in their huge entertainment game room and settle down awesome food from loaded burgers, wraps, wings, plus their Wednesday and Friday fish fries piled up with all the extras. Visit their Facebook page or QClubofWI.com for menu and weekend live entertainment updates. Q Club of Wisconsin, North Grandview Boulevard in Waukesha. Joining us now is Rami Makhlouf. I uh, have a poll question up at 12.50 a.m. The fan, Rami Makhlouf. Is it about me? Who's the best coach now? Who's the best coach? my mic is really loud. Yep. Who's the best coach of these three? LaFleur, Shanahan, McVay. McVay's been in a Super Bowl loss. Shanahan's been in a Super Bowl and loss at his coaches as head coaches. And uh LaFleur has not been to a Super Bowl yet. LaFleur also has the best quarterback, obviously, of the three the entire time having a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. Um, Rams don't use draft picks. Rams use money. Uh so that also is a different philosophy of how they build. Um, hmm. Hmm. That's mm. tough. Ah. That's why it's a poll question. I would say McVeigh, LaFleur, Shanahan. McVeigh, LaFleur, Shanahan. Yeah. How many winning seasons do you think Kyle Shanahan has in San Francisco? You know, Sam told me the other day that Matt Nagy has a better regular season win percentage than Kyle Shanahan. He has one winning record. Yeah. The year but they went to the Super Bowl. He's had outside some of really that, bad injury luck. Outside though. of that, that's all he's had. Yeah, I know. Was one. That's a good question, though. That's a very good question you ask. Because Horvath brought up this morning. Ryan Horvat, bet him Jim tonight. I brought it this morning on Bart Show yeah. that he thought Kyle Shanahan could be on the hot seat after this year if they don't get things figured out in San Francisco. And I was like, come on, come on. Kyle Shanahan's not going to be on the hot seat. And then I did this poll question and we started looking, comparing all the numbers, and you're like, oh my God, Kyle Shanahan's going to be on the Chicago. hot seat, possibly. I'll tell you that right now. I'd take him in Chicago. With one winning record of five years? Yeah. Really? I like, I like, that, guy's, I like that guy's offensive mind. I like Kyle Shanahan too. I just can't believe how bad they've been. I mean, that is crazy. Uh, okay. I was surprised to see that, too, when Sam told me that. 
What's uh, coming up on the Rami well, wait, show? First, you said you were talking about me earlier in the hour. That always concerns me. Why are you talking about me? I, I was talking about how we hung out socially on Saturday. Oh, yeah, we did. And that how you were so hungover, you couldn't stand to look at you alcohol know, at 530 in the afternoon. I wasn't really so then hungover I asked Pluck- at that point as much as I was recovering from a hangover sure. at that point. So then I asked Plucker. Right. I said, Plucker, what was the last time you actually did one of those type deals? And Plucker said, at the end of college. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What? Dan of college. That was You're the last time man. he did it. Yeah, Dan of college. You're a young man. You already checked yeah. out. See, no, 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 no. You already checked out I how said, to socialize. I said, how are we considering hungover? Like, I've been. Where you can't look at alcohol at 5.30 the next day. Yes. Like, 5.30 p.m. the next day. Yes. Yeah. Then, like, yeah, no, at college. the end of college. Right. But, like, really? I've been at least a little bit hungover a couple of times. But not, not like that, that all level over. Of hungover. Right. Yes. Yeah, you're at a different level, dude. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you are. I mean, it's all right. Nobody's mad at you. I mean, it's fine. Live, live your best uh, life, right? I mean, do your thing. We had all a good right. show at the at uh at, at Broken Bat Brewing on Friday and hung out for a little bit. Played some wiffle ball there. You know, they got a, like an actual wiffle ball field in the back I've of that place. I've never been to that place. Really? Nope. They've I've like heard about a, it. They have like a full blown wiffle ball. Eric's field. name is like. He might as well be their spokesperson for much as he used yeah, to tweet about that I've heard, place. I've seen him tweet about that yeah. place plenty. Right. So they got a full-blown wiffle ball field back there. They let us stick around and take a few swings. I didn't because I woke up that morning, my neck hurting because I'm old. Um, and then uh, went out afterwards. For you a didn't bit. take any swings? No, man. My You're neck, a former like all-pro catcher. How did neck, you not my take? My neck was killing me on Friday, dude. I could not turn my head to the left and taking swings with the neck. That was not pretty <laughs> good. <laughs> it's no. not a good idea. I was starting to feel. Yeah, all but right you had enough then. alcohol than you. You yeah. wouldn't have felt it to Saturday. That was the thing. Was like if I, I'm feeling okay right now, but I don't know if I'm really feeling okay right now. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, I didn't. Get it. I didn't take any chances. But the show was good. It was real good, man. Sold yeah. out. And that was a fun crowd. Thanks Good. to everybody who came out. A few listeners said that they uh they came they you know heard about it on the show. Came nice. Out. Thank you to everybody who did. Very nice, Rami. All right, what you got coming up at the show? I watched three? movies. Green and Gold Monday. Weekend. Green and Gold Monday. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer out of the gates. I want to know is it is it more fun to have a good defense or a good offense? Because offense. And I think so, too. But I feel like Packers fans are really enjoying this right now. It's because they haven't had a good defense. And that's what I want to say, mean, too. You know I mean, what I they mean? Were ninth, they were ninth last year. I know. I know. Um, but it wasn't a dominant defense like this appears to be. I, feel I mean, like Packers, this appears to be like a dominant defense. I feel like Packers fans are really enjoying this. As they really, should. Really, no, I mean like really enjoying this. Yeah. Like more than they do having the best quarterback in the world. Because they've had it forever. Because they got bored with it. Yes. So I think that's what's because going on. Because they see it all the time. Right. But, but, but again, it would be... Um, I don't even know where the comparison could be. It's something that's got a dominant defense all of a sudden can find a good quarterback. Um but, but, but I mean that's that, that's kind of what it is. Like the Ravens for years with Ray Lewis always had that dominant defense and had a average run of the mill quarterback, and, and never got that Hall of Fame quarterback with that really good defense. I mean, if you can get a Hall of Fame quarterback with a really good defense, right? That's going to provide problems and they for opposing been able to teams. Put those puzzle pieces together during the Matt Lafleur era. It appears those two are together. The problem is uh, somebody stole Crosby's talent because it's gone. I don't know what happened, yeah, man, but you, that, that miss, you can't blame on that holder. Mm-mm. He put that ball down. He spun the laces out. It was there. There was nothing wrong with the hold, and he still missed it. Yeah, that was. I, there were no excuses for that one. Got figured out. Got figured out because if you lose a Super Bowl because of a missed kick or a blocked extra point or something goofy like that, Packer fans are going to lose no, their mind because this, is... this has been a this has been a thing all year. This isn't a thing that's happened for two weeks. All year we've had this issue. And and somebody. Weekdays three to six has been talking about this issue Sam? all year. 
Good for Sam Schmitz. Just saying. Good job, Just Sam. Just saying. I've been saying for a long time, special teams needs to stop leaving points on the board and putting that offense it's in backfield them. position. It's killing them. And and it cost them. I said it would cost them a game against better teams, and it did against Kansas City, who's not even had at that point. They could have won that had game. Had not even been playing that good of football. Right. So it already cost them one game, and there are better teams coming down the pipe than, than the Kansas City Chiefs, especially one in a couple of weeks with the Los Angeles Rams. So, yeah, special teams Who still got very lucky. Boy, if they don't have OBJ, they're done. Robert Woods going down, they got lucky. That's true. They got so lucky. Because, again, if OBJ's in Green Bay and Robert Woods goes down, they're done. It's over. Then then you start talking about it's Dallas, Tampa, and Green Bay at that point. But because they got OBJ, who I think is going to return punts tonight, uh, and play for the Rams right away, and everybody told me last week about, uh, oh, even if you would have signed on Wednesday, Sparky, he wouldn't have played. Right. No, I had heard okay. he was going to play. Yeah, of yeah. course. You don't need that long when you're a vet to be able to get up and go and play. When right. you're in between games and you've been in game shape all all year long. Everybody telling me I'm crazy thinking that he could have played for the Packers last week. Stop. Uh, okay, go ahead. Gary Ellerson will be here at 345. You know him. Yeah, he's doing the TV taping with Leroy Butler at yes. Spectrum News 1 show tonight with Dennis Krause. Yes, he'll be on at 7 on Spectrum News 1, but he'll be on the Rami show at 345. At 4 o'clock, want to know if Packers fans need to start seeing this offense hit its stride soon here from Matt LaFleur and much, much more packed into a three-hour show today on the Rami show, 3 to 6. You watching right the Badgers yet? On the fan and your Odyssey app. No, why would I start watching the Badgers now, dude? Can you just watch them this I, weekend? No, I won't. No, I just, won't because just, I just I just went through this, and you, you know what? You're, you... I don't care if we're going to be late. You are a perfect example of who I was talking about a few weeks ago. It was very poorly timed. A few weeks ago. No, it was, what, last two weeks ago? And it was it was poorly timed because it was leading into the Journey House College Sports Show that I went I heard in, that. that. I, I heard that whole over. bit. Yeah, man. Way to ruin Don Wachilis' whole night. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Horrible. Horrible. I didn't mean to. Like, it was the worst thing you possibly could have really, done before that show. If really you were going into to. Zach Gelb, they would have been like, whatever. I really but you're going to. into I'm, a show talking about I apologize. college sports. I apologize directly to the man, and I'm, so, I'm sorry. He referenced sorry. you throughout the next but, two hours of that show, I hope you, you know. sir, you yeah. are, are the number one per. You drive the bus of, don't talk to me if it's not a championship. Don't mm-hmm. talk to me if it's not a championship. Championship or bust. Championship or bust. Yep. Every time a season doesn't end in a championship, no, it wasn't a successful season. Right. We have that talk after every season yeah. that falls short of a championship. I'm not asking you to and, watch for winner losses. And, but I don't. I'm not asking you to watch. How that. are you? I want you to watch. How for a are you watching this Badgers team oh, and talking about? Oh, they might get into the Big Ten championship game. What does that mean? What does that mean to get into the Big Ten championship? Well, they're going to lose. It means nothing. Even if they win it, it means nothing. Oh no 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 no. None of it means no 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 anything. No no. None Blocker. of it means anything. Blocker. Hey, and over how here. you people? Help, help damn, me. We didn't even start the show yet. How Nonsense you people, that you're spewing. Nonsense. How you Hold people on. have been brainwashed to think that, oh, we might make the Big Ten championship is something to cheer for. Plucker. Is absolutely says, crazy to me. This dude says, I don't says know how the NCAA beat, brainwashes you people the way that they brainwash you people. This dude here says, if they beat Ohio State Big Ten championship game, it means nothing for Wisconsin. What would say what? you? If the Badgers beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, is that a big deal? Yes. Will they Thank be in the you. national championship game? No. Okay. They've got two losses. Okay. 
It's just like think. if when the so Packers win the NFC North, it's a big deal. Yeah. Just like when the Brewers or Cubs win the NL Central, it's a now, big deal. I don't think the NFC North is a big no. deal when around you, here if anymore. If you win at all. the NFC North, that means that you're going to go on to play for a super you're gonna go on to play for a chance at a Super Bowl. If you win the the NL Central, that means you're going on to play for a chance to win a World Series. You win the Big Ten championship and what? You're gonna go play at some bowl. If where, you beat Ohio State, Robbie, that's a huge deal. For what? Because Recruiting? you're not supposed to beat Ohio State. Okay, cool story, bro. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Rami. We all know that you don't watch college football and don't pay attention. Right, but I watch anyway, you. So it's okay for you to have this block. No, right. I just don't understand right. how the same people who will sit here and tell me championship or bust, okay. championship or bust, it was a bad season yeah, 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 if yeah. the Packers didn't win a Super Bowl. Right. I'm sit here and brag about winning a Big Ten championship game when in the end it's a meaningless trophy. But wait a second. See, there's these you're are not two, going on to play for a championship. These, these are two totally different things, though. Like the Packers are expected to go to the Super Bowl. Nobody's expecting the batters to go play. Well, then a... why are you interested from the jump? For what? In, if you for know, the badgers? if you know they're not playing for championships, why are you even interested from the jump? Because I'm a fool and I I I Bingo. dream. I dream. Finally, we got to the bottom that's fine. of it. Yeah, but I still have hopes and dreams that maybe one day they can get to a playoff. But having said that, I, that's not what I want you to watch. Mm-hmm. I just want you to watch to t- to see their freshman running back. And then tell me who Can, you think he is. Isn't there like a highlight reel? Who he reminds you of? Me? Is this the guy you were comparing Braylon to Derrick Henry before I? I wasn't. The announcers on the ga- the okay. announcers on the game were. Braylon Allen should be a senior in high school. Seventeen, squat six hundred. Seventeen. What were you squatting? I mean, I know because I know you used to squat back in the day before you ruined your knee. Put up five fifty. Five fifty. You know. That's really good. Yeah, you know. That's really good. It's, it's not too bad. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, too bad Thank you didn't you. have the athletic ability of Braylon Allen. Friday's uh, <laughs> show's coming up next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.